Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm Executive Director James Owen coming to you live on tape from my undisclosed location here in West Columbia. Joining us on the boards, as always, Philip Sika joining us from the palatial Renew Missouri Studios in Northern Columbia. Hey, Philip. Hey, good to see you, James. Not going to say when it is. We got to keep the mystery alive. I know. I'm glad you're learning. <laughs> we don't want to say when we're doing this or what time of day it is. It it adds to the mystique. Um, Philip, we got a great guest today. Uh, uh, Carolyn Chrisman is a uh, is uh, works in economic development in Northern Missouri. Carolyn, did I get the name of your of your organization right? I, I got close. It's the Kirksville Regional Economic Development. Authority is that yeah. what it is? Well, it's not authority; it's incorporated. So K ready, but close enough. K ready, I like that. Let's do that. Carolyn Christman with K ready. Uh, Carolyn is someone that we've been working with for 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 a little bit now. Um, she, well, I'll have you describe it. What is it that you do? What do, what is it that K ready does uh, there in that area? Sure. Uh, so K ready is a typical economic development organization. We are a public-private partnership, 501c3. Mm -hmm. And so the structure is is that we have public entities who pay a membership to the organization along with private members. And then I am tasked with working on economic development issues. And specifically when it comes to uh, business retention and expansion of some of our largest and major employers from manufacturers to healthcare to educational institutions. Um, and then also um, with that comes trying to assist in increasing capital investment in my community so that more taxes get paid and right. um, we have better services to workforce to helping better jobs to be created that have higher incomes so that the people of the community benefit as well. All right. Yeah, because I mean, I think everyone listening to this podcast, at least people listening in Missouri, know that Kirksville is the home of Truman State University. Um, mm-hmm. But there are, but it's a large town. It's like, I mean, you're talking about like 17, 18,000 people. I don't know the exact number. Yep. But what, uh, what are it's- some of the other larger employers there in, in that area that you represent? Sure. So um, on the manufacturing side, we have a Kraft Heinz uh, food processor. We are the sole producer of bologna in North America. And so they run about 900 to 1,000 employees. Uh, They're our largest manufacturer. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we also have healthcare. We've got um, A.T. Still University, which is the founding school of osteopathic medicine. But then we also have a teaching hospital with that and and some other clinics and, and such. And um, so, yeah, we just have a variety of educational institutions, a variety of service-based healthcare ones, and then, of course, um, a manufacturing sector. Right. So, I mean, a lot going on in, 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 uh, in Northeast Missouri. Uh, Kirksville kind of feels like a hub for that region. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it is a hub for that. Yeah, it is definitely a hub. And, you know, um, I'm always wanting to point out things that put us on the map from our universities. And to probably why I'm on this this podcast today is we are home to the state's largest wind farm right now. Yeah, that that is. And that's kind of uh, the basis of how you and I kind of started talking. I mean, so kind of to give the listeners some background, Ameren, Missouri, uh, the 
state's largest utility owns a wind farm in parts of Adair County and parts of Schuyler County. Schuyler, Schuyler. Schuyler. What is it? Schuyler. Schuyler. Okay. Sorry, I'm a hick. I, I still can't pronounce stuff up here. Um, yeah. Now it, <laughs> it, 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 and it is, it is. I mean, do we know? Uh, I mean, it's like several. I mean, we're talking about lots megawatts of power. Four hundred megawatts, one hundred and seventy-five turbines. Yeah, it's a big farm and it is the largest wind farm in the state. Now, it didn't always it wasn't didn't start out as an Ameren project, correct? Correct. It was started out um Terrigen, a private developer came in and um did the wind studies and in 2016-17 started signing up landowners um, when they knew the Mark Twain transmission line was going to be built. And, you know, that they're the ones who started the process. Um, as far as we had known early on, they were going to own and operate it. Um, they own and operate many wind and solar farms across the United States. Right. Uh, and so that that was the the plan all along from our point. But we we do see a trend where some public utilities or, or investor-owned utilities who like to own their own generation make offers. And right. so an offer was made that couldn't be refused. Yeah. And I, and I, and I <laughs> that's right. And I, I, I realized that in asking that question, you kind of touched on something I wanted to, to ask you about before um, we, we got into the Ameren ownership. Um, when they first, when Terrigen first came to Kirksville, I mean, how, how early was your organization engaged with that company when they approached you? Uh, did you, I mean, did you find that they were, you know, I mean, you know, how do you, how would you take it that they approached like kind of dealing with local governments, dealing with local entities, dealing with local economic groups like yourselves? How did that go? Um, it went really well. Uh, so, so I think Terrigen had probably been doing their um, wind studies and things with Met Towers probably 2014, mm-hmm. 2015. And then I really was introduced to folks in 2016. And it was with some of the Terrigen, it, it's kind of a dual thing. Some of it was with the Terrigen representatives knowing we need to kind of get out in front of local talk about what we're trying to do. Right. And so they had been talking with some of our county commissioners um, and a lot of the the commissioners then kind of pointed towards me because they were wanting to talk about the economic benefits of of wind farms and I'm you know being the economic developer can probably understand and then help articulate that better but then I would also say they know they needed to kind of get out in front of it because we are a small area and so I actually had um, relatives up in Schuyler County who were who were being approached by land agents to sign land up. And so it wasn't a secret, but details also <laughs> weren't known. And so in the absence of details, people make up their own stories. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Tell me uh, about it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so in 20, I, I, I was introduced in 2016 with them and talked with them. Um, they had a, they commissioned their own third party study done to discuss what the economic benefits could be. And yeah. then in 2017, I did help them with a kind of a town hall open house where they set up a lot of displays um, regarding everything from road use agreements with the county to, um, you know, what the turbines might look like, the mm-hmm. land process they would take up to even, um, 
you know, what, what endangered species and what it could do for them and, and all of that. Right. So help, help them have that open house. Sure. Yeah. And so you feel that they probably like they, they engage pretty well with the local community then that company. Yes. Yeah. And I think they did a really, a really nice job trying to stay transparent, answer questions and, and, um, and do that. Yeah. And I, I think all this kind of background is important because of, you know, because when they approached your area, your office, um, Terrigen, you know, you mentioned the Mark Twain Express that just for our listeners, this is something we've talked about a little bit in some of our emails. That is a transmission line uh, that was built by Airman. Um, that kind of goes through Northeast. Yep. Well, that transmission line wasn't built by Ameren. It was built by MISO. MISO. And Ameren Transmission. And then Ameren Transmission built it. They're out of Illinois and actually yeah. a separate company from Ameren, Missouri. So, I, yeah. Boy, I'm really glad you made that distinction because that, yeah, because because Ameren, Illinois is a wires only uh, company over in Illinois. That's a whole other topic, but they build transmission. Yeah, it's it's for MISO, which is the regional trans, uh, transmission organization that serves most of eastern Missouri. Yes, that, oh, gosh, yep. yeah, thank you. <laughs> I almost yeah, screwed yeah. Up. You know, it's been a long time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just remember, I remember that was going on when I was in my former job as public counsel, and I, it, I've slept a lot and been beat up a lot since then. So um, so this was this big transmission line that was going to be going through that area. Um, and so Terrigen wanted to take advantage of that, uh, that big transmission that was going to be delivering power to a, a bunch of different states around this part of the country. And that's why they chose Adair County. And in Schuyler County too, right? Yeah, yeah, because they needed, because at, at the time before that transmission line went in, we did not have the capabilities of putting that much power onto the grid. I just right. wasn't there. And so um, once they knew that that line was in, indeed going to be built, um, that I think sped up their timeline to, to be prepared to have a wind farm. I mean, we do have a good rate of wind. So, so besides mm -hmm. transmission, you got to have wind and we do have, yep. we do have enough supply of that, um, to make a wind farm, you know, a go and uh, to make it profitable. Right. And now does, does those two counties have like, do they have zoning in the unincorporated parts of those counties? I mean, like I'm, maybe Kirksville does, maybe some of the other towns there do, but does unincorporated Adair County have zoning? No, um, no, Adair County does not. It was believed at the start of this project in like 2016, 2017, that Schuyler County also did not have zoning. However, in 2018, it was discovered that in the early 90s, zoning had been voted in for the county, Schuyler County, but never implemented. Oh. And so it had to be implemented within a matter of months to get permits ready so that the wind farm could move forward. <laughs> I, I have to, did the, did the vote results like get, like, did they fall behind the refrigerator? Why, why did people realize that didn't happen? That sounds like that should be its own podcast, maybe. <laughs> Well, it, it might, you know, it's, it's actually a shorter story, I think. In the early 90s, they thought that there was going to be some um, nuclear waste uh, 
pushed through the area on trains and tried oh. to be buried somewhere. And so in the early 90s, Schuyler County took a vote to, to implement zoning to not allow that to happen. Well, the threat went away. It never happened. And so the fact that they implemented zoning um, just by vote went away. They never, oh. they never actually zoned the county. They never hired anyone to enforce it. It just, it just kind of, yeah, fell behind the kitchen counter. And then lo and behold, the wind farms um, in May of like 2018, the zoning ordinances that have been voting on magically appeared at the courthouse. Oh, wow. What a, what an amazing coincidence. So is Indeed. there is there is there zoning for wind farms in in Schuyler County now? Um, there is zoning, yeah, that they they did implement. Um, pretty almost the entire county, except for some of the little towns, were zoned ag, and then oh. um, a permitting process was put in place. They paid the the permit fee, and and it moved forward pretty quick. They do have a planning and zoning commission as well that was um, fairly quickly appointed and and it moved along and so that everything so these things came about in like may of 2018 and i would say by august september everything was in place for for the wind farm to move forward so i, I will say that those opposed to the wind farm did try to use this as a as a technique to you know not allow development but it did not succeed uh, right i mean yeah because i mean because so people who don't know schuyler county is on the Iowa border, some very northern Missouri. Mm -hmm. It's a very, it's not, there's not a lot of population there. Like 4,000 people in the yeah. whole county. Yeah. Not, not geographically, not very big either, but still not like kind of like what you see with the Dare County where you've got, you know, a, pr a pretty significant population center there and some smaller towns around, but it is, it is, I would say it is a little, it's a different, it's a different county, like mm -hmm. how it's composed. Oh yeah, no, it's it's definitely a small county. It's actually part of our micropolitan statistical area. So a lot of people would consider it more of a bedroom community, um, very little uh, economic activity that actually gets, you know, put out from that county. It's also been, you know, one of the poorest counties in in the state on right. on multiple fronts. Yeah, so. a lot of those counties are, especially you see that on the Arkansas border too. You used a phrase I want to I want to I want to ask you about micropolitan. Mm -hmm. Never heard that phrase before. What does that mean? Well, so you have a, a metropolitan area that yeah. includes, you know, maybe the the major city and counties surrounding it. Well, in a micropolitan um, statistical area, it's kind of the same thing. So ours is Kirksville, Adair County, and then Schuyler County is part of our micropolitan statistical area. So that when we have to go after um, federal funding for something and they ask what our our um, population is they sometimes ask for micropolitan statistical area it's a federal designation oh so. philip yep. have you ever heard of that philip i have not that's really interesting i've learned something new today this is my new thing i've learned that's exciting micropolitan i like it so kind of getting to that those initial conversations those town halls when the zoning codes magically reappeared, I mean, did you did you start hearing concerned citizens talk about wind? Like they said, "Oh my gosh, what is this going to do to my property rights? What is this going to do to my property values?" I mean, did you start hearing that right mm -hmm. away? Did it take some time for you to hear that? How did that? How did you start, first start hearing some anxiety about those projects? 
Yeah, you know, it really came about um, after, like a year after we had an open house. So we had an open house in June of 2017 at the Schuyler County School District. I mean, it was kind of a community event. It was held at the school. Um, FFA did some barbecuing. Advertisements were taken out in all the local newspapers. Facebook ads were put out trying to invite anyone and everyone who had a question, who had heard about it, landowners, everyone to come in and find out more. Um, landowners got a special invitation and everything. So that was, and there were, you know, 250 people easily that came through and, and heard about it, understood it and, and took part. Um, and so then it's almost a year later, May of 2018, when um, an opposition group had developed and they had a Facebook page and they were concerned citizens and um, they were were wanting all of the, you know, that that's when the concern came out. And, mm -hmm. and when you know the background of a family member, you know, uh, the owner of land had signed up his family farm and then a daughter-in-law didn't want that to happen they just built a new house on the property and he wanted out of the contract to preserve <laughs> peace in the family and yeah. it's just kind of a big drama but that's where it started and that and it was well over a year later and then accusations came out like well we didn't know anything about this it's all been done in secret and under cover <laughs> of night and it's like no no actually it, it hasn't been you know um, and so, and, and that's when the zoning was found and then, you know, you have to have public hearings to implement zoning and then yeah. all of that. And so those were always kind of contentious and, and really you had your handful, couple dozen people who were opposed where almost everyone else was in favor. Um, some of it yeah. was fear that, you know, a lot of people just didn't want to look at them. They don't think that turbines look pretty. Others, you know, believed every anti-wind YouTube video out there that yeah. it'll shake the ground and cow's eyes will explode or, you know, all of those things. And so yeah. we heard a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. But it didn't come about till a year later. And then I, I mean, I hate to say it, it was, it was too late. I mean, the project started mm -hmm. being built in the fall of 2018. So but now those people, I mean, like what I've seen now is that that you talk about Facebook, there's this whole national network of anti-wind people who have pages and they have people flock to them and it becomes almost like a social group they they well, spend yeah their... yeah social network and yeah, yeah they all feed information to each other and and whatnot so yeah and it's, um, it's really in i mean sorry forgive me for using the phrase it's insane stuff um, I've, I've heard stuff about like how they're, these wind farms are really like, you know, they're, they're not producing power. Um, they cause oil spills. <laughs> I, I've, I've heard all of this, like with my own ears and I don't, and it's, it's really, I don't know how you combat that kind of misinformation when such a behemoth, you know, entity like Facebook is allowing it to proliferate. Yeah. Well, and they use, you know, um, I, you know, one of the things that that was um, that was suggested is that you make the the setbacks so far away from roads, from buildings, from houses, from, you know, any any kind of structure, which then just puts it out of reach of, of having one. But one of the fears was, oh, a turbine blade would catch on fire and spin out of control and be thrown, you know, X amount of feet. And so as we're talking with the technicians, the wind technicians and things like that up here, you know, it just becomes like this, like 
they could catch fire, you know, if it's struck by lightning, that doesn't happen a lot, but they're not going to like fly off. Like they're not turning that fast. They're super heavy. They're going to just fall to the ground, you know? Right. Um, and so some of those things that just, it's, yeah, just the misinformation is incredible. And those who, um, who believe some of the stuff you can't, I mean, you can't educate them to a point of, um, of what's, what the reality is. Right. They bought it. They bought into it. Yeah. And yeah. right. And I mean, yeah. And I've, and I just, and I, I just think it's, is part of this. There's something about social media that has caused people to lose their ability to critically think like you, like I sit there and I hear these people say like, Oh yeah, they let these wind turbines catch on fire and keep them on fire. And I'm sitting here thinking this company would have spent a lot of money putting these things up, running them, maintaining them. And now you're telling me that all they're going to do is let this thing burn like until like, I don't know, it falls over and kills a bunch of people. That doesn't make any sense from a, from like, even if you stop to think about it for a minute, but they don't stop to think about it for a minute. Right. They just accept it. It is, it is, yep. it's wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so anyway, I mean, that's, that's, we're not going to solve the social media misinformation problem on this podcast. <laughs> Maybe we will. I don't know. I guess we, the podcast's not over yet. Um, but I, but one thing that I think is important to point out, and the reason I went on this like kind of Terrigen to Amron thing is something else that you were instrumental and, and extremely involved with. Um, back then, back in the early part of the 2010s, the teens, I don't know what we would call that mm-hmm. decade, the teens, maybe. Um, yeah. The law was in Missouri that if you had a wind farm that was owned by an independent third party that was generating power and putting it onto a regional transmission organization, that the, the property taxes, all the, all the property taxes that uh, was, you know, kind of generated by that, by the value of that stayed in the county where it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was another law that said if a utility owns it, then that property uh, that property tax value gets spread out across the entire service territory of mm-hmm. of that utility. Um, but then, but so like so when Amron, you know, Amron, as you as you pointed out earlier in the podcast, you know, they want to be able to own the power they generate. That's part of their business model. They bought this, and then all of a sudden, you had the risk of losing. A, a, a real benefit of this project to your community, which was the yeah. property tax revenue that came from it. Mm-hmm. How did you yeah. how did you go about trying to solve that problem? Well, um, once we you know once it was was released that that Terrigen was going to sell the project, I, I would say that Terrigen had no idea because how Missouri does its tax structure is different than the mm-hmm. other states they've operated in, and right. so they truly had no idea. Um, and then a lot of people were up in arms because a lot of people who had signed on or who were not protesting the wind farm, they said, you know what? Schools are going to benefit. We're going to have so much, you know, we're going to have so much more now because of this. And so when, when knowing that a lot of support was going to go away because of the new taxing structure or because of how the the taxing would, would be different. uh, My organization, we came together and we just said, you know, clearly a law needs to be changed. 
Um, and Terrigen fully supported. They gave funding to my organization. We hired a lobbyist um, mm-hmm. who then set, we set about on, on changing it. A couple of things that really helped us change it was that this was the first time, you know, there was no grandfathering in of anything else. It was the first time in our state that an investor-owned PSC-regulated utility was going to be owning a wind farm. Since it had never been done before, I think that that really helped um, with the with the argument and, and again, no grandfathering in of other projects. Right. Then also, you know, it, it allowed people to really think about the the situation that, you know, for other forms of generation, a coal plant, a nuclear plant, some of those, they're usually confined to a contiguous set of land. And they've got a lot of buffering between from homes, from buildings, from from towns, from everything. You know, they're kind of out by themselves that no one can see them. And this was going to be completely different. This was going, you know, the land is being leased. It's on farms. It's within sight of houses and barns. And, you know, everyone that that was going to be seeing a wind turbine. And so just the fact that we have to see them every single day. The fact is we, you know, we should get the tax benefit of those um, as was promised, you know, with the original uh, land leases. And so um, that's kind of the argument we made. Um, Our lobbyists helped navigate, you know, you find a sponsor for it. Um, Then Northwest Missouri, you know, for a while it was, we were kind of fighting the fight by ourselves, but Northwest Missouri quickly came on board because um, Ameren, Missouri was purchasing a wind farm that was being built in Nottoway County. And, um, and with the way the taxes go is that the property taxes go based upon pole miles and all of those things. Well, Ameren has no service over Northwest side of the state. And so all of the taxes would have been drained from Northwest. So they all quickly got on board and said, yes, no matter who owns it, taxes stay at the local level. And then, um, fortunately we were able to get that legis- legislation through, mm-hmm. um, in one legislative cycle. And so, yeah, no, it was, yeah. it was bringing people together, but the school districts, we had school superintendents going down and testifying county commissioners, economic developers. I mean, it was, truly was a community effort. Yeah, I really did. I mean, yeah, to your your coalition's credit, that I mean, getting something passed in one legislative cycle almost never happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it clearly was a good idea that made sense. But even I thought, well, there must. I wondered if like people from other parts of Ameren Service Territory would say, well, wait a minute, we're going to lose money. But I never saw any real opposition to it, which is, I think, goes to you know show the amount of work that went into this to make sure that there was no opposition. Um, mm-hmm. That's tough to do, but you did it, uh, which is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, so, yeah, so now, okay. So you, um, so now you have in your area, you have these, you know, largest wind farm in the state, you have mm-hmm. um, landowners benefiting from it. There are some landowners who are still able to farm their property, they're yep. leasing. So this is not something where, necessarily losing their other source of 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 income but they're just adding to their ability to make money your schools are benefiting i mean this seems like a win-win for your you know and that's what i yeah that's what i tell people i mean um one of the things i get questioned on is you know well you don't have to see it every day and that's true i live inside the city limits kirksville i don't see the turbines every day um i have a 
you know, a water tower out my window that I see every day. And I think a turbine would be much cooler to look at, yeah. but you know, I like water. And so I like, I like electricity too, but um, you know, it is it, the, the schools um, are benefiting from it. Um, and actually all the taxing districts are from the nursing home to the public mm. library uh, to road and bridge. Also some of the benefits um, that came about is um, roads that were getting fixed, especially by the company, um, you know, they, in order for those turbines, which are massively heavy items right. going across some of our rock roads, gravel roads, blacktop roads, I mean, they were torn up. The ones that the company fixed that weren't, um, that MoDOT's, MoDOT's fixing some of the roads, the company's fixing the county roads. Those county roads are in better condition than they've ever been. Yeah. A lot of them were flattened. They were increased surface wise. I mean, they are just, um, great roads, and then all the ca- the county commissioners have to sign off on them, and so they've even said the roads are better <laughs> than wow. anything we could have done, you know. So, so that's a benefit. Um, I will also tell you that uh, when it comes to um, the landowners, you know, I've had landowners tell me that um, the the father has decided to retire, and it's they've been able to bring a second generation home that can mm-hmm. farm and run cattle on the land now. More than one family can be supported because yep. of the assistance of some of these turbines. Um, there have also been jobs created. So originally, when um, so Vestas, the the turbine manufacturer, actually has the contract to um, keep keep them up to speed for about 10 years. Um, When they came in, they brought in a lot of outside folks, outside technicians to come in and get the park set up. Um, But since that time, they've hired locals. And now to date, almost 99% of the people working on the project are locals. They're from Kirksville and Adair County, Schuyler County, Scotland County, um, all of those places. Great wages are being paid. Um, They are... Last I had checked, about 75% of them were veterans. Um, so guys that had gotten out of the military and they were going to go somewhere and do something and they came back home and now they've got a good paying job and they're, they're doing well. And so the fact that locals have gotten those jobs um, to me says a lot. Um, and it speaks for, again, just another economic benefit we can give to, to this area is where it's not a manufacturing job, but it's a one of the, it's in a one of the fastest growing occupations in the United States. Yes, it is, wow. and and one of the fastest in Missouri. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, and I think there's also benefits to it as well. I mean, do you ever, in your role here, of any uh, businesses looking to move to areas where there is renewable energy? You know, yeah, um, we. So the work I do at the state on where when we get leads from companies outside of Missouri or, you know, international companies, um, just this year alone, I've seen more and more want to have some kind of renewable energy capability. And you can do that, of course, by having, you know, purchasing renewable credits through through the electric company. Um, but I still think that if you can be within the footprint, uh, within sight of how the renewable energy is produced, it just helps ensure that, yeah, that renewable energy is coming from where you can see it. Uh, and so we, we're seeing it more and more, and I just expect that trend to increase. Yeah, and I think and I think that's right. We, you know, Renew Missouri, um, I know we kind of seem like a hippie organization, <laughs> but we do work <laughs> a lot with companies like Walmart, 
like General Motors, like the U.S. military, who are always talking about being able to get, um, you know, their sustainability missions accomplished that they've been set forth by the decision makers of their of their companies or of their organizations. And yep. so, you know, to me, it's not an it's not an environmental imperative; it's an economic one, um, which mm -hmm. is why I think it's good to have uh, folks like you out front talking up this this benefit and trying to like get businesses attracted because I do think businesses do want this. They've said they want it. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and I think a lot of their their customers, you know, they say this younger generation is much more interested in sustainability. Uh, and so a lot of times that means cleaner forms of energy. And so if their customers are demanding it, shareholders are demanding it, um, you know, international companies have been kind of a bet towards that, especially a lot of European ones for quite some time. And so I, I agree. I think it's only going to increase um, as as calls for that become greater and greater with all of the the climate conversations going on. Yeah. So, you know, to your, from your perspective, from your perspective as an economic development professional, you know, working in, um, you know, not one of the major population centers of the state, certainly of your region, but not of the state. I mean, what is it that you think that the state of Missouri could be doing to make your job easier, to make, uh, to make economic development more attractive from a perspective of renewable energy? I, I mean, I know there's probably a million things you think the state could be do better, but you're, you're a renew guru now. So <laughs> what, <laughs> what, from your perspective on capitalizing off of this and using this as a marketing tool, I mean, what do you think we could be doing? As well, a state? one of the things, yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I, I have been pushing um, for is the ability to kind of, and, and again, as a marketing, marketing what's actually there on the ground is the ability to market that you could be a renewable county, production county. That, right. you know, in my county, we have a huge megawatt capacity coming from wind. Soon we'll be home to, a, I think, a 250 megawatt solar farm. And so we produce a lot of clean energy in, our, in this county. And so being able to market that, um, I think, is a benefit that can, it can add even more economic benefit besides, you know, um, technician jobs being created and taxes right. being paid. Right. I also think that um, just kind of a conversation that that needs to be had between energy groups and um, the state and other interested parties is that for the most part, a lot of renewable energy is going to need to be put on available land and lots of acreage. Well, most of that's going to be out in rural areas. And so there needs to be I think support of information, support um, given, so that those of us who want to see that planned development that does the most good for the most people being done in rural Missouri needs to be balanced um, against those who are who believe some of the anti clean energy things going around that, you know, turbine blades are going to catch on fire and be hurled off and hit a house and, you know, all of these things. And no. that, you know, there is a safe and responsible way to build these. And that's what's going to happen. And that just, uh, but including those in rural areas, because that's where the majority of this stuff's going to be built, because that's where the available land is. Yeah. So and I think really... Hygiene, you know, increasing the conversation with that's going to be important in the coming years. Yeah. It's where the wind blows in the rural area. <laughs> you know, I, it does. 
you go where the gen where you can make that power. I mean, and certainly, you know, with a with a coal plant, you can have you can have coal like you know hauled in from Wyoming <laughs> uh, anywhere mm-hmm. near a train track. Um, but with solar, with wind, with geothermal, um, even with gas, to a certain extent, you've got to be very specific about where you're at. And um, you know, I hear people say like, "Why don't you put it in Columbia or St. Louis or Kansas City?" I'm like, "Well." I would if I could, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make sense there. And, you know, and, and to the extent also, you know, my, you know, I know a lot of farmers, they're not as, um, I am from, I'm, I am from a farming community. I know a lot of farmers who want this opportunity. They want this income. They are not mm-hmm. as noisy as the opponents. Um, uh, that's exactly right. I think that needs to change. You know, I, I know that, you know, there have been, there have been, you know, it's been quiet, but like organizations like the Missouri Farm Bureau have quietly supported things like this legislation you were talking about uh, that you, you helped with, but I feel like they need to be more clear that this is a benefit for the farming community in this, in the state. I think it's a, it's a benefit. I, I, I don't live on my family farm anymore because it, I I couldn't make a living doing it, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have maybe if I could have, but um, yeah, yeah, we're hurting right now. Uh, the, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of farmers in Northeast Missouri are hurting. I have family up there. Mm-hmm. They need they need extra income. They need money. Uh, yep. We need to be much more. I mean, I think you know, you and I are are probably you know doing a lot to vocalize this, but we you know, I know that I'm constantly trying to find other voices that can be added to the chorus. So I appreciate yeah. what you're doing up there keep it up. No, absolutely. I, I think it's the right thing for, for the community. And, and when people speak out against it, I mean, I, I've had people attack me on how, how can I possibly be doing this for our area and stuff? It's <laughs> yeah. like, Hey, I got a newsflash. I didn't, I didn't make any landowners sign up their land. Like they right. all voluntarily signed up their land to, to do this. And so, you know, and that's where we're in such a politicized world of, you know, just black and white, mm-hmm. that there's a lot of gray area there that people need to be willing to come in and learn about. And, you know, if, if people have genuine concerns about something, then let's all sit down and say, well, what are those concerns? What's the mm-hmm. best way to alleviate something? And, you know, it's got to be legitimate. It can't be that aliens are going to use these turbines to take over our minds, you know, like, <laughs> okay, that's not legitimate. So I don't know how to, how do you combat bat that? fear you know but if there are genuine fears or genuine concerns then let's talk about them as a community and get those out because i you know one thing i know about people in my area is that if you have if you own your property you have a right to do you know you have a right to do things on your property that government can't come in and impede and neither should your neighbor be able to unless it adversely affects them and and so anyway it's just some of those conversations haven't been happening. It's been the Facebook, you know, your, your keyboard heroes that, that go in and try to do things online. That's not productive. It's not helpful. Yeah. And unfortunately it's tearing communities apart. And so that, you know, really needs to, to stop. And so that um, everything can move forward, you know, in the best way possible. Yeah. There, you know, I, yeah. And I think that is, I think that is kind of a, a lost argument, especially from the conservative perspective, that this is there is a there is a question of property rights with the owner who wants to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think that gets lost. And, you know, there's a great article in the Kansas City Star um, this past Sunday about some of these battles going on in Kansas. It didn't really like touch much on the Missouri side, but in Kansas, a, a farmer, a landowner who was wanting to put these up heard, you know, was at one of these meetings and somebody said something along the lines of this is going to ruin my view. And the farmer looked at this person and said, well, you know what, that view over my property, you're not paying for it. May, you know, uh, this is my land. I, I want to mm-hmm. do this. I mean, if you, if you like the view, maybe pay me something for it. <laughs> and I exactly. thought, yeah, I mean, I know that's, I mean, that's kind of a, that's a, uh, that was an interesting take I had not heard before because everyone's just like, well, this is going to ruin my view. I mean, okay. I, I guess that's unfortunate, but you know, I don't know, you know, it's something that, you know, a far, a modern farming community life in the country. I think it's just going to be one of those things. I mean, we have a transmission line going across my family farm. I don't like mm-hmm. it, but to your point, I like electricity. I'm not going to go live in a yurt in the middle of the woods. Yep. So I got to do something. Power has got to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that just is something that, um, you know, and, and, and I think it also comes from, from this side that, you know, I've also seen those people who might have concerns or they've heard something, you know, um, a lot of times we, we even have nicknames for them, right? Like NIMBY, not yeah. in my backyard and, right. and the not in your backyard and, and all of those. And, and those aren't <laughs> helpful either, you know, because it, it instantly shuts down conversation. But, yeah. you know, one instance in ours, we had, um, a mom had been given some misinformation. She had two autistic children, pretty severely autistic children. And she had heard the transmission lines were going to be extremely close to her house. And she, she was very fearful of what that was going to do. Well, she came in and she, she's like, Hey, I'm concerned. And so they, you know, the the company took time and they sat down and they showed the maps and they heard and they listened. And, and it turns out that no, actually those transmission lines were like 2000 feet away or, you know, something. Mm -hmm. And so that misinformation was cleared up and then she wasn't opposed to it. Now, don't get me wrong. She wasn't like, I'm going to go out and wave a flag and, and, and get everyone on board. She herself was no longer opposed to it, but it it took the time and the consideration on, she had legitimate fears. Mm. Let's talk about those and get to, get to the truth or get to a solution, something along those lines. And so, you know, that needs to happen on, on both sides. Yeah, I I think that's right. And I think, you know, I mean, certainly that woman, you know, whether or not she was became a full throttled wind advocate is not the not the issue. The issue is that she knows that, you know, she knows what, you know, she knows the other side of the story. And that's important. Yeah. Carolyn, if this is you've been great uh, and I know you've probably got a million other things to do. So if people want to learn about your organization or like if someone, you know, if someone is listening to this, who's interested in locating a business, how do they get a hold of you? How do they learn more about you? Uh, sure. They, they can visit uh, my website is k-redi.com. And Great. that's got my contact info and about our organization and everything. But k-redi.com is a great way to, to look us up and find out more. Carolyn Chrisman from K-Ready. Thank you for your time today. Thanks for having. Thanks for having me. Keep fighting the good fight. Yeah, yeah, you too. We're gonna. We need all the help we can get. Um, and I want to thank all of you out there for listening. If you like what you heard, 
Subscribe to us on all major podcast pa- platforms. Let me try that again. Podcast platforms. Write a review. Sharing your social media accounts. I mean, certainly people are sharing anti-wind information on your social media accounts. So maybe you should put this up there as a way of maybe getting another perspective. Um, this has been Renew Missouri. Uh, this is James Owen, Executive Director of Renew Missouri uh, with Philip Prasika. And we will see you next time on the radio.